This is episode 11 of the Next Year Now podcast. Hi, I'm Kaylee Place, a wellness coach and meditation teacher. If you're tired of feeling run down and wish you could attack every day with passion and excitement, then you need to start listening to the Next Year Now podcast with my friend, Tom Hefner. I didn't really set out to do that. I didn't start writing as a teenager because I was like, I, I'm doing this solely for the end goal of building influence. Like that was something that I just learned along the way. I was much more interested in just the craft of it. Welcome to the Next Year Now podcast with Tom Hefner. Tom believes that if you really want to thrive at work and in life, then every day, purposeful habits and practices are vital. The Next Year Now podcast will not only help you identify and integrate these habits into your daily life, but also bring you key insights and lessons from some of the most successful people in their fields. And here is your host, Tom Hefner. Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you thrive at work and in life. The topic of habits and practices is always front and center in our discussion, but we also explore how we use these habits and practices to improve our personal development, productivity, creativity, health and well-being, business and entrepreneurship. Today, you and I get to chat with Nicholas Cole, an award-winning writer, branding expert, and entrepreneur. His insights and habits on becoming a thought leader and a writer are going to change the way you think about creating community and influence online. In our conversation, Nicholas and I will be discussing the philosophy that has enabled him to become so successful as a writer and thought leader, the biggest obstacle that prevents us from succeeding, the most effective habits we can cultivate to build community and influence online and to write well, and a ton of other key insights and practical lessons. Nicholas Cole is a writer, branding expert, and entrepreneur. He is a columnist for Inc. Magazine and a three-time top writer on Quora. He's had his work published in Time, Forbes, Fortune, The Huffington Post, one of my favorite, Entrepreneur, Business Insider, and more. He writes about self-development, creativity and innovation, productivity and positive habits, and so much more. Nicholas is also the founder of Digital Press, a content marketing agency that builds CEOs, executives, and serial entrepreneurs into industry thought leaders. Nicholas, I'm so excited about this conversation. I love the topic of personal development, and I'm really curious to hear about what you have to share about the process of being successful as a writer, a thought leader, and an entrepreneur. Nicholas, thank you so much for being here with us today, and welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. I know all of you are chomping at the bit to hear from Nicholas, but first I'd like to dive into his background because I think it's one of the more unique journeys I've ever come across. Nicholas, where did you grow up and what did you enjoy doing as a kid? Boy, I mean, I think what I enjoyed the most, uh, I was always very into tech. You know, I think the the story that everyone knows the most is uh, when I was 17, I was one of the highest ranked World of Warcraft players in the country. So I was very into video games, computers, like and anything with buttons and a screen, basically. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I played hockey all growing up. Uh, a lot of people don't actually know I played classical piano for about 18 years from age five to all the way through college. I was playing Beethoven and Mozart and Chopin and come from a very musical family. So my interests are kind of all over the board. And yeah, I don't know. I I think just those early activities all taught me very different things. And since then, I've I've always kind of had this mentality that it doesn't really matter what you do. It's not really the thing. Um, It's more how you treat it. Hmm. 
and and what matters more are the habits that you learn from it. And you know, e- even though I didn't end up becoming a a concert pianist or a professional NHL player or anything, like a lot of those lessons that I learned very early on, I ended up just laddering to the next challenge and the next challenge. And even today, you know, I, I just wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago comparing music to entrepreneurship and a lot of things that I learned playing piano to starting a company. And I just, I've always found that, that learning mentality to be the foundation of, of how I treat everything. It's really cool that you mentioned habits and that's definitely what we want to learn from. So uh, hold tight. We're going to get to that. I think it's cool that I didn't know that you were a classically trained uh, pianist. My son is actually, um, He's a cello player. So he's, he's in oh, fourth cool. grade. Yeah. So he really digs cello. And I don't know that he's going to have maybe the interest in sports like you did playing hockey, but he's more into uh, martial arts. But I do think to your point, there's, there is a lot of goodness that we can capture from that. I think the other thing that's really interesting is you talked about being one of the highest ranked World of Warcraft players. You know, what struck me when I read that story was that, you know, most teenagers, they spend their days goofing off playing sports, hanging out with friends, or maybe even making a little bit of mischief, but they don't typically practice that kind of discipline that uh, you required to to achieve at such a high level. So Nicholas, talk if you would about that experience a little bit more. What was it like and why did you choose to pursue such a, a lofty spot? And what many people don't know is an insanely competitive space that is online gaming. Well, I think even just touching on something that you said, this is a question I've been racking my brain with for, I mean, probably years now is just, you know, you have to remember that when I was a teenager, even though from my perspective, I was, I was treating it with an insane amount of discipline. I mean, I, I treated gaming even like 10 times more hardcore than I treated, you know, showing up to hockey practice every week or practicing the piano on a, you know, somewhat daily basis. I would try and get away with not practicing when I could. But from my mentality, I was treating it that way. And yet everyone else's perception of me was very much you're a teenager and you're goofing off and you're not caring about your future. You're just playing video games. And if anything, that that's something that I've witnessed kind of over and over again in life is that, you know, after gaming, I got into bodybuilding and I spent a lot of time in the gym. I spent five years living as a straight up bodybuilder, you know, six mm-hmm. meals a day, you know, two or three hours a day <laughs> in the gym. Like I was just in that world. And, and same thing, you know, like from my perspective, I treated it with such intense discipline and, and I had these uh, habits and practices and this mentality. And a lot of people saw that as like, why are you spending so much time in the gym? Like you're not caring about your future. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then same thing after that, you know, it's like whatever I was working on, if I was working on my book, if I didn't want to go out on a Friday night, if I just wanted to work on my writing, like, you know, it's like, why are you just staying in? Why aren't you being fun? Why aren't you being cool? Why are you going out? And there's, I think there's this much deeper level of, it's not really you know, the thing that you spend your time on, it's the way that you approach it. And for a lot of people, they only see the thing. So they, they only see your gaming or your going to the gym or your writing, you know, and they, they only see that, that activity on the surface, but it's very difficult to see the mentality below it and like the way that you treat that craft. And it really takes letting someone into your life to really see how committed you are to that. Like the people that are very close to me, they, they know those disciplines. They know that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm really going to do it. And they know Mm -hmm. why I do it that way. But for a lot of other people, it's, it's kind of confusing, you know? So I think like even just at a really young age, a, a huge part of that challenge was like, from my perspective, I felt like I was investing so much in my own personal development. And it wasn't even cause like, 
it wasn't because so, someone was telling me to do that. I was just that genuinely curious, you know, like I just wanted to explore gaming as a teenager. That's just what that's just where my interests were. But for a lot of other people, that's not really what they saw. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you think in some ways you're just kind of wired that way or is it a combination of being wired that way a little bit? Yeah, but also perhaps some of the habits that you developed. And I asked that from the perspective that you look at somebody like a, a Gary V, right? Gary Vaynerchuk. Right. And he's always talking about just grind it, man. Like nine o'clock to two o'clock in the morning, which is awesome. Like, and I totally dig that, but like not everybody's wired that way. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think again, so that's a perfect example, right? Like for him, if he says just, you know, grind 18 hours straight, which I've, I've heard enough of his stuff. Like I get that that's like one side of what he's saying. You know, the other side is like, you know, do what's right for you. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the other side that I, I tend to lean more on is, it's like nurture versus nature, you know, like it's really not one or the other. It really is both. And, you know, like a very, it's a funny, you know, just a thing that everyone in my family knows. Like when I was two years old, if my parents were like, Cole, do you want me to help you with this? Like I would literally respond with, no, I do myself. Like I just, <laughs> I like at two years old, like that's what I was saying. And every time that I have one of those moments, everyone's like, yeah, I do myself because that's, that's just who I am. But at the same time, you can't get any sort of level of mastery or success or anything without those practices or without those habits. So you could be the most wired person in the world for that. But I mean, as you see, you could be wired for that and all your attention goes into very unproductive or even self-destructive uh, habits and routines. So it's it's also the ability to steer that part of you and 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 hone that mentality so that you can use it to your advantage and not let it somewhat control you well let me ask this question around that time uh where you were gaming uh competitively and at a high level you started writing a blog about online gaming and by the time you graduated i think you you said you had over ten thousand daily readers which you know for those of us yep. uh that, that do have twitter or instagram like that that's a pretty significant chunk and to have it at such a young age i mean i think i'm still sitting at like maybe you know 150 uh twitter followers but uh <laughs> Uh, but was that an intentional choice to begin writing regularly at that time or was it just more organic and kind of happened because of your love of gaming? Well, at first it definitely just stemmed from love of gaming. I just, it was one of those things where I was doing it so much that that's all I thought about, you know, like if I was in school or if I was at a family function or an event or like all my, all I did was think about gaming. So for me, the ability to then take some of that and crystallize it and see it outside of myself, like that was interesting already, but really it was just this idea that I realized I I was watching another blogger when I was a lot younger. I would, I would read gaming blogs when I wasn't gaming. Right. And so I watched this specific blogger and I saw how much people looked to him for insight and self foundly, you know, going back to his blog or going back to his material and reading and following along. And the more that he told me about his life through his words, the more intrigued I became because it was like a story and something clicked in me at a really young age where I realized like the internet is such a powerful tool that if you start sharing those stories and sharing what you know, that's what allows you to build an, inf- uh, an audience. And when you have an audience, you have influence and, I don't know. I'm a really big believer that anytime you do something purely for the reward or the end goal, you never really go about it the right way. You're all, you always end up chasing the wrong things. And with writing, I didn't really set out to do that. I didn't start writing as a teenager because I was like, I, I'm doing this solely for the end goal of building influence. Like that was something that I just learned along the way. 
I was much more interested in just the craft of it. You know, like I really enjoyed sitting down and asking myself questions and then trying to verbalize it and explain it. And I loved the thought of people reading it. You know, it was such a a form of self-expression for me. And that's where I think the reason why I've been able to take writing to the level that I have today, I mean, it's like 10 years later, right? And I'm really just doing the same thing. Like instead of like writing and blogging about gaming, I'm writing, I'm essentially blogging about entrepreneurship and the art of writing itself. It's the same idea. But the only reason that I've stuck with it for a decade isn't because I'm like chasing some end goal. Every end goal that I've set for myself, I've, I've achieved, you know, and every time you achieve one, there's another one and there's another one. So it's much more focused around the process and the fact that I genuinely enjoy the journey and practicing it much more than I think the moment that I achieve something, I'll be done. And so in part of developing those habits to become an amazing writer, I think one of the other things that you did really well at is uh, developing at least the habits uh, and the insights to building a community online. And not too long after uh, writing about gaming, uh, you began microblogging through Instagram about your weightlifting. You mentioned that earlier and giving nutritional advice. And again, like in a short period of time, man, you like you rocketed up your your followers uh, over fifteen thousand followers in less than a year. What was drawing you to share your life and your story online through social media? Right, like you you talked about sharing it through writing, but now like this idea to be able to share it online with this big wide open internet was there something that was kind of compelling you well i think really what what has been driving me ever since i was a kid like i never did well in school i never wanted a a standard nine to five job i never wanted to work for someone else it's like i go back to the the two-year-old quote right like (laughs) i do myself you know like i just i've been that sort of independent person and for me when i graduated college you know i studied creative writing in college and I just genuinely wanted to figure out how was I going to take this thing that I really enjoyed doing. Every time I sit down to write, I'm happy, mm-hmm. right? So that for me, like to build a life around that is is really meaningful because that means that I just continue to do something that brings me genuine happiness. And so the questions that I was asking myself from a marketing side wasn't it wasn't really driven by ego. Like in all honesty, I could turn off all my social media and all like my website and everything tomorrow and I wouldn't miss it. The only reason that I that I've invested the time into that is because I see so much value in a getting to connect with other people um, and, and teach other people the things that I've learned along the way. But also because it's allowed me freedom. It's allowed me the ability to to travel with my laptop and go, I can write, I can, you know, earn a nice living. I've I started a company seven months ago. Every single person is remote full time. Like it's a writing agency, you know, like it's it's all these things that have come from the fact that I've put myself out there. So whether it was uh, gaming or whether it was fitness or, or entrepreneurship, like the thing, it goes back to what I originally opened with is like the thing can change. The thing doesn't really matter. What matters is that that same uh, consistency habit and even approach to how you share what you share. That's what's going to drive the result. And when, you know, when I was a gamer, everything that I did, I worked really hard to put out the best possible product. Like as gamers, we used to make videos called PVP videos where you would like, yeah, you, know, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And you would like go and, you know, collect in-game footage and put music to it. And like some people would take it to level 10 and just like edit it and, and put effects all over it. And like you were making a, a mini movie. 
And anytime I put out a video, I worked really hard at just like learning the software and, and trying to put out the best possible product that I could. No one was paying me to do that. No one was telling, if anything, me sitting on my computer for, you know, hours and hours and hours made other people be like, why are you spending your time doing this? But from my perspective, I wanted to, I wanted to put out the best possible product that I could. And same thing with fitness, you know, it's like, I didn't just want to take, you know, like whatever pictures in the gym. I was like, if I'm going to put myself out here, all right, I'm going to reach out to uh, other students at my school that are like want to be professional photographers. They know their art way better than I do. And I had a, I was working at a marketing agency. So I was like, all right, I don't know about like copywriting or eBooks or how do I build a website? Like I taught myself all of that because I wanted to put out the best possible product. And when you, when you start to look back over 10 years, like, a lot of the things that <laughs> has even allowed me to launch my own company and have it actually become successful started all the way back as a teenager when I was just like, how do I figure out how to use, you know, Windows Movie Maker to put out a <laughs> PVP video? And it's not it's not the PVP video that I carry with me. It's it's the approach to learning. One of my number one strengths uh, when I take StrengthsFinder or VIA, which is another strengths-based approach, is a love of learning and curiosity. So uh, if nothing else, I share that that passion with you. A hundred percent. We're talking a lot about writing. And for a lot of people, I know they struggle with writing, but it's so important, right? I mean, we're talking about like, in some ways, the connection that you get from writing with other people and telling that story in a powerful and compelling way. But it is important to our professional life. Like you said, it allows you to to work anywhere in the world with a laptop. At my work, at my organization, I write a ton of memos, uh, research papers and things like that. We write emails to colleagues. Many of us even have dreams of writing for ourselves, publishing a book or whatever that is. You know, given your background, your training and your success, what do you think are the most effective habits and practices we can cultivate for helping us write more and to write well? So again, the thing writing, like there's obviously things that are specific to that craft, but I step one is it's just more that general approach. Like we could be talking about sports, we could be talking about music, or we could be talking about writing. And I still think the philosophy holds true. Like mm. if you want to become a better basketball player, like here's here's a great example. A lot of writers sit down and look at their screen, look at that blank piece of paper. And before they even write a single word, they're like, what should I write? And then, okay, that's a great like first question. But if you hang up on that for longer than 30 seconds, like you're, that's a problem, mm. right? Because you're not actually moving forward. And so then the trap that so many people fall into is like, what should I write? Oh, I don't know what to, what to write about. Oh, maybe I shouldn't write at all. Oh, what approach should I take? And, and then an hour goes by and they're still staring at a blank screen. And the parallel that I draw is like, that's literally like wanting to become a better basketball player, standing with the ball in your hand, looking up at the net and being like, should I take a shot? What if I don't take the shot? Should I, should I, <laughs> should I take it now? And it's like the whole point is just shoot it, assess shoot it again, assess, shoot it again, assess. And if I look back, like I, I'll be completely honest. I don't think that I was born, you know, like maybe, maybe the Hemingways of the world or, or something, they were born just like inherently brilliant writers. I don't know. But my, the whole, anything that I've gotten out of writing is just hours in. I, I put in so many hours that it's kind of like, there's no way that I couldn't improve in some capacity. And, and even if my curve is slow, a slow curve that's constantly moving is still better than a curve that doesn't move at all, mm. you know? And so like, I feel like that's one of those things where I like to be so brutally honest about that out the gate, because if you're not making time 
to practice how you can, we can't even get to step two. We can't even talk about like the refinement or, or here's what I think stylistically, or here's how I would structure paragraphs. Like all of that comes after the, the, did you make the time to write today? You know? Mm-hmm. So if you want, so then to take it a step, <laughs> to take it a step further, like how do you become a better writer? I would say like the most actionable second step is you have to do it in public. I think if you think about um, how writing even kind of first began, like go back hundreds and hundreds of years, like writing was, if anything, intended to be read out loud. So a lot of things that were written down were more of just a uh, transcription, like the thing happened aloud and now we're just keeping a record of it. But most of the art of writing was just a message. It was the ability to share and, and to have a concrete thought. And now it seems like that's such a reversed thing. Like a lot of people don't a read their work out loud and, and B a lot of writers fall into this trap of not sharing their work with anyone. So what happens is they work in a vacuum, you know, in the confines of their apartment or their home or their office, they don't ever share. And then because they don't get feedback, they never really know what works and what doesn't. And they just continue to exist in this vacuum. And a whole, I would say, again, one of the the biggest things that's happened for me as a writer in the past few years is just how many opportunities have come my way. And the only reason that those opportunities even presented themselves was because I've been regularly sharing. I post something new every single day on the internet, Hmm. every single day. And every time I do that, whether it's one comment or a hundred comments, that comment or feedback from someone helps give me an idea of, does this resonate? Does it not? You know, does this type of person vibe with it, but this type of person doesn't? And, and even just the vulnerability that comes with when you put your work out there, you, you feel differently about it. All of a sudden you look at it through the lens of other people and you start to judge it differently. And, and you can see things that you weren't able to see when it was just you by yourself in your apartment. What about uh, habits? I mean, we talk about habits, we're talking about habits of success, like agnostic of whether it's writing or sports, whatever. What habits, or what do you have to say about habits to maintain a healthy body and mind? And and what role does that play in our success? Boy, that's (laughs) uh, a lot there. Yeah, I think it's always easier to talk about habits than it is to practice them, right? So I've found that the parts, the portions of my life when I've been the most disciplined or I've made the most growth have been disciplined to the point where it almost like raised questions from people around me, you know, because we're just not used to that. A lot of people tend to go with however life is going, you know, and then there's something to be said for just going with the flow. But when you give up too much of yourself to just let life take you wherever it chooses to go. You, you don't, you don't instill those same practices. And so in order to actually have a habit, you're kind of also practicing the art of saying no to a lot of things. And, and so many people see that as a bad thing as like shutting things out, but really you're just making a conscious choice. Like I'm going to do this instead of this. I think that's, that's probably been the hardest thing that I've struggled with. And I don't know if this is something you've ever struggled with is, you know, there are times when I'm working within my organization with my colleagues and I do want to say no. I want to say like, no, like this is the thing over here I want to focus on. But if I say no to this thing that my colleague is asking or this thing that a coworker is requesting, I feel like I'm not being a good team player, if you will. And so how do you overcome that? Or is that just kind of me rationalizing it? (laughs) 
Um, well, again, like it's both, right? So on the one hand, there's definitely a component. I think what holds most people back is just the fear of letting other people down. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is for me. Like I want to be a good team player. Like I don't want to let somebody else down and I want to be, you know, help them be successful as well. Right. You go through that with your friends, you go through that with your family, you go through that with colleagues, like everyone. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where if you're not happy in yourself, uh, if you're not content, if you're not feeling like you're, you're moving your life in the direction that you want it to, even though you're trying to make decisions to keep other people happy, you're going to end up resenting the situation. You know, you're going to end up feeling like these people around you are taking away from who it is that you want to be or the direction that you want to go. So it's, it's one of those kind of ironic things where if you don't prioritize yourself, you end up um, actually doing more damage down the line to the people around you because all like you've been trying to make decisions to keep them happy. And in reality, you're just going to end up resenting them for taking away a part of yourself. Right. But that's only one side of it. I think there's also another side where it's like, yeah, there are commitments in life where, you know, you, you do have to be there for other people. It's like, as soon as I, I moved into the world of entrepreneurship, you know, like I have, I have a lot more people that I have to be accountable to, Mm -hmm. you know? And so now my time is even more spread thin. And so I can't really like step into that commitment and then also say, leave me alone. Right. So, so, so that, so it it goes both ways. Like you have to also deliberately choose what you commit to. And then if you do that, then you have to adjust other parts of your life. And, and if I look at, you know, just my routines, like a year ago before I started digital press or two years ago, you know, and like maybe different parts of my day could be spent, you know, more focused on myself. But as you add or subtract things in your life, you have to then like re audit, um, how you structure your lifestyle. And so, you know, for me now, if I have a company that I need to be accountable to and I, I need to lead between, you know, the hours of 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Or, mm-hmm. or whatever, then maybe that means that I need to block off more time later at night for myself or I need to wake up a little earlier for myself or I, I need to deliberately structure in an hour in the afternoon for myself. And it's it's a puzzle and it's not supposed to stay the same forever. Well, uh, I know we're getting short on time here, so let me let me finish with two questions here. Um, you talked about your agency, Digital Press. What do you think's been the most important lesson or insight that you've learned from from launching your own agency? Infinite. <laughs> um, <laughs> or if you can infinite. pick one. To In share. all the best ways, though. You know, like I think. So we we work exclusively with. You're either the CEO of a. A very successful company or you're a serial entrepreneur, you've had a great exit or, you know, it's even your first company and you've raised a lot of money and, and you have um, you have a budget to work with and you really want people to to know who you are and, and for you to share your insight. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in this process of working with these very point people, essentially every one of our clients is they're a leader in some sense, you know, because they're they're leading teams, they're building companies, they're essentially the captain of the ship. And so what's so interesting is is getting to talk with all these different people and hear and learn from them what works and how they perceive the structuring of what it is that they want to build, you know, and their mentality and their habits. And it's funny because so many share a lot in common, you know, like a lot of, I, I find that a lot of CEOs or successful entrepreneurs, they all share very similar habits in terms of how they structure their time or the way that they think about relationships or how they measure productivity. But even more so, I find that those people 
their perspective on the world is it's very humble. It's, it's, it's very kind. Like they, it's almost like the higher that they climb and, and the more that they build and the bigger that their company gets, the more that they have an understanding of like the way that people relate to each other and, and the way that if you really want to lead a team, you really have to come at it from a, a human perspective and not just this like treat everyone like they're a cog in a bigger machine, or right? A commodity, yeah. um, or a commodity. Yeah. And I think why that's been so interesting for me is, you know, in a sense, I feel like the business world has gotten a lot of, uh, like a bad reputation for being that way. Like saying that business is very egoic and, and business is very, you know, it's like cutthroat and all these things. And sure, there's certainly circumstances where that happens, but I'll say for the majority of my experiences and essentially I I'm 27 years old and I spend more time with CEOs that have 20 years of experience than I do my own peers. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like that's just where I mingle and that's just like my lifestyle now. And the vast majority of them I've found are teach me these very humbling lessons about just the way that you see people and the way that you see your impact on the world and, and wanting to do something good and positive. And so for me, it's like, yeah, starting a company, great. Like companies doing really well, success, awesome. But if if anything, I feel like it's this growth and this understanding that those people at the top that are really leading and think about even like providing jobs or like stimulating the economy or mm-hmm. like doing things like that, like their their mentality from it is is actually much more kind than I think a lot of people realize. And for me, that's been such a cool thing to see. Yeah, I think there's uh, one of my professors when I was at UPenn, uh, Adam Grant, I've talked about this on the show before, but he had a book called Give and Take. And he talks about truly one of the, you know, when through his research and through his experience, uh, the people that are the most successful in uh, businesses, as CEOs, as senior leaders, they are the people that give and take, right? And in, in part and parcel to that is not just commoditizing your people, right? It's thinking about them as people and in, uh, and humans and kind of the all the whirlwind of emotions that go with that, right? So yep. 100% agree with that. All right, last question. I want to shift to, I think, the best parts of the show. Uh, that's where we focus on the topic of books and readings, which is really one of the truly excellent habits we can cultivate. If you think back over the years, over the books you've read, what are the two or three books that maybe stand out to you having had the biggest impact on you? Oh boy. As a writer, I mean, I read all different genres, <laughs> you know? So, and I think different books have, have played such different roles. Like for example, when I was writing, um, my first book, I was writing confessions of a teenage gamer. It was all about, you know, my years as a teenage gamer. And I didn't, I didn't know that I had celiac disease until I was 18. It's like an allergy to wheat. Yeah. Um, so I was really, really sick all growing up. And I, I wanted to write about that. That was like my story. And a book that I read many, many times was Philip Roth's Portnoy's Complaint. And it's a, it's a fiction story about basically a, a Jewish kid and he grows up in a Jewish household. And it's, it's uh, Philip Roth, he's Jewish, but he published it as fiction. But a lot of people were like, I, this is, you're pulling a lot from your own personal yeah. life. And, and the book, the book raised, you know, just, it, it, it was very heavily criticized. People loved it. People hated it. It became, you know, one of the most notable works of fiction essentially in history. And that book, it, it did a lot for me in terms of showing me what was possible from a writer's perspective in terms of revealing parts of yourself. You know, like it was one of those things where I read it and I really realized how deep you kind of had to go in order to make something compelling. 
Mm. And, and that for me as a young writer, really like it stirred a lot in me because I felt like here I was looking at, you know, a master of their craft and I was like, okay, like that's what I'm aiming for. And I wasn't aiming for an achievement or I wasn't aiming for like my book, you know, to be congratulations, top 100 book of all time, whatever. Like that's not what I cared about. What I cared about was, was having the language and the story actually evoke similar emotions. And I think a huge part of why I've been able to take writing something, keep in mind, just about every single person told me that you were, you would not be able to have a career as a writer. You know what I mean? Like I, I sat in classes, like creative writing classes in college where my teachers were like, I'm excited to dive into today, today's lesson, but just remember writers are broke and you're probably going to have to find another job. You know, like, <laughs> oh, like, that was, like that was really like, that was the consensus. And I always sat there like, I just don't believe that. I think that I can do something more with this. And I feel like this intersection and why I've, why I've been able to have such an impact in the business world is because I've taken the time to study books like that. You know, like I studied the, the Nabokovs and, and the Dostoevskys and, and I really invested time in reading literature that, that taught me a lot about language and emotion and story and development. And I essentially took like the valuable parts of that stripped away everything else and brought this very minimalist form to business where it's like, I'm going to tell you what you need to know. I'm going to get to the point. I'm not going to waste your time. And also I'm going to give you a little bit of emotion too. I'm going to give you some of that personal story. And, and in the business world, it's so funny because every time I sit down with someone, if I sit down with a notable CEO or a successful entrepreneur, if I have a one-on-one conversation with them, they give me that. I don't even have to ask for it. They like, they open up. And like I said, these are really smart people. And they're like, I just want to share what I know. I've, I've had a, <laughs> I've had a journey, you know, like I've learned a lot. I've led teams. I've seen people. I've, I, I have these stories that I want to share, but then in the public, you compare that to like the world of PR and all this stuff. And it's all just, it's like, there's none of that. It's just this surface level, like, yes, my company's doing so well and that's not their fault. That's, you know, they're hiring a PR firm to do that. You know, and so what I'm after is that intersection. Like I, I want to take those qualities that I found in writing that that really stirred me. And I want to bring that to a world where I feel like those people are there and they they're so smart. They have so much to share. And yet they just no one has really given them that outlet to be like, it's OK, you're a human being. Yeah, <laughs> you, right. let a, you, you let a company. Right. Like, but you don't always every time you talk about your company, you don't have to put on that face where it's like I'm talking to a newsroom or I'm talking to a publicist. Like, I want you to share with me and with the world the same the same things that you would share over a cup of coffee. And they already do that. And it's just no one's really given them the opportunity to go, okay, now you can share this with the world too. Yeah, and giving them the, the freedom and the to say it's okay, right? I'm glad you you talked about evoking emotion and passion and, and those human, those, you know, what it means to be truly human because it, it tracks with, uh, so I do a lot of public speaking and that's one of the big pieces of advice I give, right? It's just like, you know, you have to be able to evoke emotion. You have to be able to get people excited and passionate about something. Because if you can't get excited about it, how how would they or why would they get excited about it, right? A hundred percent. Cool. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing. I loved it. I wish we had another hour to talk because there's so much more that I could ask you about. But thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. We'll make time for another one. Awesome. You can connect with Nicholas online through a variety of ways. His Twitter handle is at NicholasCole77, and his website is NicholasCole.com. That is 
N-I-C-O-L-A-S-C-O-L-E.com. All the links and resources Nicholas and I discussed can be found at the page created for just this episode. You'll find it all at nextyearnowpodcast.com slash one one. And finally, just a reminder, if you like the show and enjoy learning from our guests each week, please, please consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us stay relevant and findable by listeners like you. That's it for today, and I'll see you next time.